one of the hardest truths that you and I will ever have to accept is this. We will be judged. Jesus Christ will come again in glory, and he will judge every single person, and that means you, and that means me. And so each of us will stand before him, and we will give an account or explain what it is we said, what it is we did, how we spent that money, and why. It'll be a fearless and searching inventory. Now, of all the people in the Bible, the person who talks the most about judgment is Jesus. This week, I flipped through the Gospel of Matthew, and I just put a little tally mark every time Jesus was warning us about being held accountable, or he was talking about rewards or the potential of losing it all, or he talked about hell, and I lost count somewhere over 40. What you just keep seeing in the teaching of Jesus are stories like this one from Matthew 25. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, that's he's referring to himself, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations, meaning all the peoples, will be gathered before him. And then he will do separating. He will separate the people one from another. And that motion will be like what his listeners were used to, where a shepherd, sheep over here, goats over here. They were used to that. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. farmer who owns the field decides this. He goes, well, you know what? We're going to wait, and at the harvest, we're going to sort it out. And then what I'm going to do is we'll collect all the weeds, and we'll have those burned, and we'll gather all the wheat, and we'll put that away in the barn. And Jesus' disciples hear that story, and they go, I don't know what that means. So they ask him, and Jesus spells it out, and it could not be clearer. He says, just as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. So this is like a two-edged sword. When Christ sits to sort, he will get rid of everything that causes sin and everyone who does evil so, that's actually good news. If you have been betrayed, if you have been abused, if you have been tormented, justice will be done in your case. It will be made right. But that same judgment for those folks is also going to be for us. So we need to know, am I causing people to sin? Am I letting evil patterns into my life that don't belong there? There will be sorting. And then finally, there will be rewarding. Huge rewards. Jesus could not say this more clearly. The Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. And St. Paul repeats it to make sure that we get it. He says in tonight's first reading, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done. 
So what do we know about this rewarding? Well, for starters, it's going to be surprising. Jesus told devout religious people, prostitutes are coming into the kingdom of God ahead of you. And then he said to uh, others, he said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. Even people who are like, hey, we had a big, big ministry in your name. And he's going to go, yeah, I never even knew you. Like, I don't know what you were doing out there. Now, that is a surprise. I would not have guessed that some devout religious people are going to be out and some prostitutes are going to be in. It's going to be surprising. That's why Jesus says things like, the first will be last, the last will be first. There's going to be an evaluation that's not always going to be the way we would think it's going to be, but that judgment will be just. The Bible explains, God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Now, Jesus lived and died as one of us, so he will judge us with full compassion and full understanding. He knows what it is to be tempted. He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to live our life. And so there is great mercy in his heart. And he will take also into account how much we knew or how much we didn't know. He'll take into account our opportunity, our our makeup. And based on all of that, he will repay each person according to what they have done. And then that judgment will be final. Okay, so what do we do with all this? It it, it seems to me that there are two great truths that run together in our New Testament, and actually the whole Bible for that matter. And these two truths, I think, belong together, and what God has joined together, let no one put us under. The first truth is this. We are saved by Christ. Praise the Lord. And the second truth is this. We will be judged by Christ. Huh. How do those go together? Through Christ, I am saved. By Christ, I will be judged. Now, in my opinion, American Christianity has done a really good job communicating this first truth. For it is by grace You've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Jesus bears the just judgment of God, and he tells us whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That is truth number one, and we must hold on to that. But today, in my opinion, many churches are mostly ignoring truth number two. Many evangelical churches are avoiding themes of judgment because it's not seeker-sensitive. Many of our former mainline churches, I don't know what we call them anymore, um, their value is God is nice. Now, Paul, it's interesting to me that he's the one who teaches we are saved by grace through faith, and this not of yourselves. And he's also the one who says we must all appear before the judgment of Christ, seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This is the same guy. And here's how he lives his life. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard. 
So I'm saved by Christ and I will be judged by Christ. How do you get those two together? Well, Paul has the, the best analogy, I think. Uh, a friend of mine woke up one night and there was like a sound and a smell. He was trying to figure out what it was and his clock there by the bedside said 4.17 a.m. And then he realized he, the smell was smoke and the sound was flames. And he got out of bed and, and realized the whole house was going up. Um, and so, thank God, he and his wife escaped the house and they were completely fine. But everything in the house was burned up. The pictures that had been hanging on the wall and the family for decades, all the mementos and the heirlooms and all the furniture. And so for the next, I think, two years, their house was being rebuilt and they were trying to remember what they had so insurance would reimburse and all that stuff. Um, and interestingly, every, every night after that, he would wake up at 417. The trauma did some crazy thing where it like set an alarm clock in his body. This is so interesting. But anyway, Paul uses a picture like this to help us understand how we as Christians will be both saved and yet judged. He says, On the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And in this part where he's talking about builders, each builder is a Christian who's living out their life. Okay? So fire will test that. And if the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work burns up, the, is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So through the mercy of God and the atonement of Jesus Christ, I know I will be saved. I'm getting out of the house. I'm going to be fine. But what will happen to my work? What will happen to my life? What will Jesus say when he looks at what I've said and done and spent and thought? What do we do with this sobering reality? Well, the late great Dallas Willard tells us this. He says, as long as you are clear that your sins are not forgiven because you follow Christ's example, that's not why, or because you do anything else of merit, and you're also clear that obedience only succeeds by grace, then you should, in the language of 2 Peter 1, give all diligence to do the things Jesus said to do. But Willard says, because of misunderstandings of the basic nature of grace, people today are not only saved by it, they're paralyzed by it. And, and, and a casualness can enter in. I'm good, and therefore, I don't need to really worry about anything. I don't really need to live a life that's honoring and holy and dedicated. But when I hold both truths together... And you cannot miss the one unless you cut like a big lot of pages out of Jesus' teachings and Paul's and Peter's. So I've, I've learned, oh, and then Willard says this, real grace makes you active as nothing else does. Real grace. I've learned that God's grace is not just a saving power, it's an energizing power. It's the secret of the Christian life. I'm so glad it's, it's available. Each night, and I'll talk more about this next week, I look at my calendar for the next day. 
and I, and I just go appointment by appointment, commitment, thing that I need to do, task, whatever, and I just say, Lord, give me the grace for that one. Help me be present to this person who's really hurting right now. And then I go to the next one. Lord, I don't want to have that hard conversation that this one entails. Give me the grace to speak the truth in love, okay? And I just work my way through the, through the whole day. And so the next day, I go to work, and I try to work hard. But what's happening, therefore, because I've, I've offered myself to God for this each appointment, is God's grace is working in me. It's like what Paul says. He goes, yeah, I worked harder than all the apostles, but really it wasn't me. It was God working in me. So what, I love what Bishop Todd prays each day, and I think this is what we ought to do as our response to this reality. Okay, God, you and me, let's go do our work together. He's going to love what we do together. Yeah. All right, if you are living with the reality, the conscious reality that you and I will stand before Christ and there will be revealing, there will be sorting, there will be rewarding, there will be, and I hope for all of you, that moment of stepping up onto the Olympic stand and having a medal draped around your neck and having Jesus tell you, well done, good and faithful servant. I know what you suffered. I saw what you did. You make me so happy. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And if that's the life we live, then I have good news for us tonight. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Amen.